Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word and to call upon him in prayer and praise and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought and in word and deed and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me.
Let us pray. O God, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of your final judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you in perfect joy hereafter. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. reading of the Holy Scriptures for this, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 44th chapter. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the 8th chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. And so the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up also wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears... Let him hear. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was honored by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. 
and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the 13th chapter of St. Matthew, these words, he, Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Last Sunday we were talking about planting seeds. And this Sunday we find ourselves talking about pulling weeds. They go together, don't they? I don't know about you, but from my youngest of days, I'd much rather be planting seeds than pulling weeds. I'd much rather be at the planting end of things than at the pulling end of things. And I don't enjoy pulling weeds. I don't enjoy cutting weeds. Perhaps it's because immediately after I graduated from high school, a bit more than four decades ago, I spent the good part of June, July, and the first part of August making some fairly good money at the time, getting prepared to go to college. At that time, it was over $7 an hour, which at that time was a lot of money. $7 an hour, a hometown job, which no one else seemed to want, though. But it was $7 an hour. Because of that, it was hard to pass up, and after I started working at it, it didn't take long to find out why there wasn't much competition for the work. Because you see, with sickle in hand, I and another college-bound buddy of mine would go out into the early morning hours of this thick forest of weeds and brush, five, six, even seven feet tall, that had been growing around for years around these large natural gas tanks outside of Clearbrook, Minnesota. And we'd have to, with sickle in hand, cut these weeds and then drag them over a distance and pile them up. It was a tinder bed for fire, which were growing far too close to the tanks that were all filled, huge tanks filled with natural gas coming from Canada. Not a good situation. My friend and I were hired to cut it down, to haul it off, to pile it up, and ever since that summer of 66, I found planting weeds much seeds much more to my liking than pulling weeds. And I think that's probably true of most of you as gardeners. You'd take the latter rather than the former if you had your option. Contending with weeds, especially pulling them out of a garden, is physically hard work. They're stubborn. They've got to be pulled often. And you have to know what you're doing when you're pulling weeds. You just can't go randomly pulling up everything green in your garden. Gardeners have to be discriminating people as they pull out the good seeds or the young sprouted plants with the weeds, you, you, you can't be like whoever it was that said, when weeding, the best way to make sure that you're removing a weed and not a valuable plant is to pull on it. If it comes out of the ground easily, it's a valuable plant. It's not the way to do it. Or worse yet, consider this advice. To distinguish flowers from weeds, simply pull up everything. What grows back is weeds. Not good gardening either. Jesus in the Gospel, according to St. Matthew today, tells a parable, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who's sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone is sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds 
among the wheat and went away, and when they sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. How did those weeds get there? The owner's servants asked, to which the owner responded, well, the enemy did this. The enemy who came while everyone was sleeping. Don't for a moment think that the enemy hasn't planted weeds among you. He most certainly has planted weeds around us, even as the Lord Jesus said that he would do. You may not have seen it happen, but that's the nature of these sorts of things. It's the nature of the wicked weed seeder among us. So often he does his turning of the soil, and he does his planting of his weeds in the silence and the shadows of the dark, so that it's not so easily detectable undercover, as it were, hidden, hidden perhaps in this simple idea over here that we're asked to entertain, embedded perhaps in that seemingly intelligent ideology over here that we're asked to adopt, or that sophisticated philosophy that's taught in one way or the other, in that notion, for example, that all religions are good, or in the atheistic notion, that all religions are evil, or that all religions worship the same God, but just call them by different names. Or in the notion that there are many gods, a notion which our Lord certainly speaks to in the Old Testament lesson today as we heard him, where he said, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And yet the enemy whom Jesus clearly in our text for today identifies as the devil, establishes the weeds, weeds taking the form perhaps of esoteric cults of our time, like Madonna's newfound fascination with Kabbalism, which you've probably heard a lot about in the news lately, or Hollywood's flirtation with Scientology, which you've heard a lot about in the news over the course of the years or the tenets of the Dalai Lama, or the defiant notions of a radical feminist sect in San Francisco, which somehow calls itself Lutheran and Christian, but then sings to the great evening hymn, Talas Kanan, these heretical words, quote, we praise our God of many names, our great creatress we proclaim, our mother goddess, friend and guide walks with us always at our side. The weeds planted among the seeds, Jesus says. Weeds also identified as the impenitent practitioners of various immoralities of every age. The unnatural things, the extramarital things, which were once considered to be morally reprehensible but now are socially acceptable in society. Those things what censored, which are now promoted as morally acceptable, as alternative lifestyles sanctioned by our educational systems at times, protected by law, weeds encroaching upon even the longest standing institution of society itself, marriage, to redefine it so that what was once recognized as weeds now might be called seeds. And we just scratched the surface of what evil has sown in our fallen world. Don't think for a moment, not for a moment, that the enemy hasn't been busy, that he hasn't been busy 
making his weeds indistinguishable in so many ways from God's seeds. In so many ways, he's twisting the roots of the weeds right around the seeds, and so they can't be distinguished one from the other. Good seeds, the children of the kingdom, Jesus says, planted in the field of the world with weeds, the sons of the evil one growing all around. He who is not for me, Jesus says, is against me. That's the way it is. You can wish it differently, but that's the way it is. That's what Jesus says it is, and thus it's that way. And that's the way it will be in this fallen world, Jesus says, until the end of time. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, he says, you're going to be a persecuted people because that's the way it will be until finally he comes to end it all. Dangerous indeed, it's dangerous. Dangerous in good part because the seeds and the weeds so often look so much alike. Seeds and the weeds often look very much like each other. It might be fairly easy to distinguish the far out fringes of the weed kingdom, but there are far more in the weed kingdom who be, may be very morally upright, might be morally upright and look a lot more like seeds than the weeds that they really are. Hard to distinguish. In fact, it's interesting that the weed of which our Lord spoke was actually called in the parable today, when he said the weeds were growing among the seeds, the, the, the weed that he spoke about was actually called a zizania. It was a noxious darnel, or a rye plant, which was potentially poisonous if it was ingested, but you couldn't tell very easily what it was. The first shoots of the darnel plant that would grow up out of the ground resembled that of wheat, looked so much like wheat that you couldn't distinguish one from the other. It looked just like it, just as healthy, just as desirable, just as essential and necessary for bread making and life sustaining as wheat would be, and that's what people would often do is confuse the two. That's what made it so dangerous. They were nearly indistinguishable from one another. And so dangerous, in fact, that if you look at Roman law books, back in that very time and era, it indicates very clearly that it was considered a criminal offense to sow Darnell next to wheat. A criminal act to sow Darnell next to wheat. Why? Because it's what you would do only to your enemy. Enemies who, thinking it to be wheat, would then eat it, ingest it, and gradually be poisoned by it, and eventually die because of it. Such was the nature of the weed of which our Lord speaks in the parable for today, the weed of the enemy. And such is the nature of the weeds of our enemy, sons of the evil one that are planted around us, Jesus said, it's not always so easy for the human eye to discern which is which. Why? Because sometimes the weeds lead as morally upright a life as you would think the seeds would lead. And sometimes it happens that, indeed always it happens, that we seeds are sinners like the weeds and our lives don't reflect what they should because we are simultaneously God's righteous saints and his sinners through faith in Christ. Sometimes our lives appear to the outsider to be quite weedy too. Weeds and seeds growing dangerously together, looking all too much alike. Is it any wonder then that the servants of the master in today's parable say, well, what then would you have us do? Would you have us go out and gather these seeds, these weeds up? 
Try to separate them from the seeds and then bind them and, and throw them into the fire? And the master replies, no, don't do that. Don't do that because in uprooting the weeds, you may well uproot the good seed along with it. They'll just have to grow together, side by side, unto the end of time. And then I'll do the separating. And I'll do what has to be done. You see, when it comes to living in the world, the place of the church living in the world is not to be out there uprooting the weeds of society. That's not our function. That's not our calling. We must indeed speak clearly to the civil and to the moral issues of our day. We must inform and warn one another regarding the evils of our times so that we can then engage individually in the political process by which the laws that govern us and the social ethics that guide us are determined by the people and for the people of our land. That alone is the church's place. But as we do that, the weeds of the world and the seeds of the kingdom are going to grow side by side, as our Lord Jesus said they would, until he returns again. And the tensions and the dangers and the inequities and the persecutions that accompany that side-by-side -side coexistence will continue for us and for our children and for their children after them. Just as it has from the day that Adam and Eve were first expelled from the Garden of Eden to the day when our Lord Jesus Christ told this parable for the first time unto that final day when he returns again to usher in the new heavens and the new earth merged together where righteousness indeed dwells side by side until that very day when, as our Lord Jesus says then, in the last verse of today's gospel, the Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Justice then and justice finally will and fully will prevail. On that day, justice will prevail. But thank God that on that day, so will mercy. Thank God that on that day, so will grace. But then, Jesus says in the last words of today's gospel, then he says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. You see, the one eternally important difference between the weeds and the seeds, which are often so much alike in their appearance, is that one word, righteous, righteousness. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And the only reason that you and I will be counted among the righteous is not because of what we've done, not by any means, but because of the righteousness that we have that really is alien to us and foreign from us. A righteousness that comes from another, a righteousness that comes from him. He who knew no sin, who became sin for us, that in him we might be the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ became sin for us. He took that which was foreign to himself. He took our sin, alien to him, 
And he made it his own because he was true God, perfect God, perfect man, for our sake made our sin his own, suffering on the cross. The full length and the full depth and width and the heat and the horror of all the hell that we eternally deserved. And were that not enough, he also then imputed, imputed his righteousness, which he alone possesses, upon you and upon me, placing that which was foreign to us, his righteousness, alien to us, his righteousness upon us, that it might forever be ours. And how did he do it? He did it through baptism. He did it through baptism and to his son, that his name might be written all over you, that your name might be incorporated in his, so that we might then shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Horatius Bonar wrote about this righteousness in the communion hymn that's, that's entitled, Here, O my Lord, I see thee face to face. You're going to sing it in a few moments. In verse 5 he writes this, Mine is the sin, thine the righteousness. Mine is the guilt, but thine the cleansing blood. Here is my robe, here is my refuge and my peace, thy blood, thy righteousness, O Lord, my God. He also wrote about it well over a hundred years ago in an article that's entitled The Everlasting Righteousness. And speaking of the high priests in the Old Testament and the unique and the meaningful breastplate that God designed for high priests to wear, this is what Bonar writes. He says, in the high priest's breastplate were 12 precious stones, 12 of them, on which the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written. The names thus graven there, he says, shone with all the glory of the gems that contained them. Thus, he says, our names are written on the breastplate of the greater high priest, Jesus Christ, not only for remembrance, but also for glory. How? They are enveloped in his glory, our names, enveloped in his glory, the glory of the Son of God shining right through them, shining as if all that glory shining through them were their own. Indeed, as the Apostle Paul put it so clearly, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. We pray. Lord of hosts, who is the first and the last, and besides whom there is no God, receive our thanks for the salvation of man you have accomplished in the atoning sacrifice of Christ Jesus. By the sowing of your word, extend your kingdom. Preserve from the devil and from entanglement with sin all those whom you have brought into your church and now sustain therein through word and sacrament. Yet kept faithful, we may on that last and great day of Christ's coming be gathered together with all the righteous by faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit, give to the church in all places, including to our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, guidance and wisdom that your church may ever readily believe and be confident in your work through those means which you've devised for her perpetuation until the end. Bless your pastors that they may preach only that which is orthodox, and your people that they may have ears to hear, encouraged to live and defend the truth in their lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of all, inspire the leaders of the nations to work for peace and justice, that conflicts and strife may be settled. Defend the weak and the defenseless. Direct the affairs of our country that laws would be fashioned and carried out and protected that are in accord with your will and therefore to the good of mankind. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give strength of spirit and body to Dick and Elsie Much and to Vernon Lee and other infirmed members of the congregation afflicted with life's ailments. We thank you for their confession of the faith amid trial. Continue to give them faith to see beyond today's frustrations and disappointments to the hope that is not yet seen and to endure gladly sufferings of the present time, knowing that they are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Christ Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, com comfort and uphold Bill and Debbie Teasley who mourn the recent and unexpected death of Bill's mother, Patricia. Remind them of your resurrection promises that will come to pass for all who depart this world in the faith. And amid the shades of death in this world, teach us all to live in hopeful expectation of that resurrection day, when the righteous will shine forever like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With your servant, Hugh Ryan, we give thanks for the successful surgery performed upon him this last week. Continue to grant him healing according to your will and uphold and encourage wife Julie and other members of the family who are affected also by current challenges in his life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Christ of Cana, who blesses marriage by your presence at it and in it. With Ryan and Kristen Phillips, we gratefully praise you for the married life that yesterday was begun for them. Be present in their marriage throughout all of their days, that whether in time of sorrow or joy, they may, after your example to your bride, the Church, remain also sacrificially loving and committed to one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Prepare the hearts of those who today approach your table to receive Christ's body and blood in this sacrament that repenting of their sins and believing in Christ's sacramental and bodily presence to forgive it, they might not receive the gift unto their harm, but depart from your table in the peace 
that you've prepared and here provide. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, Father, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us in all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In your righteous judgment you condemned the sin of Adam and Eve who ate the forbidden fruit and you justly barred them and all of their children from the tree of life. Yet in your great mercy you promised salvation by a second Adam, your Son Jesus Christ our Lord and made his cross a life-giving tree for all who trust in him. We give you thanks for the redemption you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may faithfully eat and drink of the fruits of his cross and receive the blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation that come to us in his body and blood. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
pray. O God, the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.